Please turn in your New Testaments to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And today we're going to uh, conclude our series on organic spirituality, what it means to live in union with Christ, what it means to be in Christ. And we're going to end with one of the most famous passages in all the scriptures. Before we read, I want to say a few things to you. For those of you who are feeling really busy, but lacking a sense of real purpose, this is for you. And for those of you who are searching for satisfaction and still feeling let down, this is for you. Verse 18 of Matthew 28, the words of Jesus of Nazareth. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would give us your purpose. That you would underline it. That you would resurrect it. That you would bring it forward. Whatever the need is in our lives. O risen Christ, by your Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, Would you do good work in our lives that we might be set free to love and live for you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to look at this passage just through three words this morning. And the words are purpose, together, with Christ. I guess that's four words because with. Purpose, together, with Christ. That's what I want the Great Commission to be for us. And so uh, let's begin with this word purpose and maybe ask the question, where do people derive their sense of purpose today? Everybody is looking for a sense of purpose. And And I tell you, we live in a time when we are heavy on information and heavy on busyness, but light on real purpose. Global communications, by that I mean kind of all the electronic communications and particularly the internet and the cell phones that are kind of an extension of the internet in our pocket. With with all this communication, we've got more to look at, more to listen to, more to scan through, more to skim through than we ever have. I read an interesting book called The Shallows a few years ago, The Shallows, about how the the Internet and our cell phones are, are literally rerouting the function of our brains. How we're literally thinking different because of all this information. How we're moving toward more our brains just sorting lots of information, more toward that. And, and, and more away from the idea of deeply considering a larger point. Deeply considering a larger meaning. 
And are we not overloaded with information? We are overloaded. And it's not just the, the, the stuff that's in front of us, but we also have more than, we, th- th- than ever that we can choose to do. And when you think about all the things we can choose to do, and then you think about all the things we can choose for our children to do, and if you multiply that by the number of children that you might have or grandchildren you might have, schedules get pretty crazy pretty quick in this modern world. And the paradox is this. How can people so overstuffed with information and in choices, with busy brains and crazy schedules, how could they also be at the same time so inwardly empty? Don't you think that's a good question? How can we be so overstuffed with information and choices, so busy in our brains, crazy in our schedules, and at the same time be so inwardly empty? It turns out that search engines really can't give us the answers we're really in need of. And it turns out that that busyness can't really inwardly fill our lives sufficiently. For the modern person, to choose is to really live. The unlimited freedom of choice, now that is life. But even in modern times... Jesus has never given up his right to command and shape the lives of those who belong to him. Jesus is still Lord in 2017. He has not ceded that right to anybody or anything else. And for the grace-inhabited believer, Jesus is still the one who must define our purpose. And today, as we read about our purpose, it's what we call the Great Commission. All authority, Jesus says, has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always even to the end of the age. Yes, our purpose is to glorify God, and our purpose is to be His disciples who make disciples. That's how we glorify God. We are to be His disciples who make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple simply means a follower. A discipler is a learner. A disciple is a learner. Uh, It is an an apprentice, someone in their life who is trying to be like Jesus Christ. And only his followers, especially in our age, would ever be open to having their purpose defined by Jesus. I mean having it defined and you not being able to choose what it is. So first is this notion of Jesus' authority to give us purpose. The second word is together. 
Some people say as they read the the Great Commission that our purpose is to, to go. Go and make disciples. But but our purpose is not to go. That is a misreading of this sentence because the word for in Greek for go doesn't just mean go. It's not it, it means as you are already going. So as you are already going, wherever you are, make disciples. And what that means is that the Great Commission, which is the the purpose that Jesus left us with before he ascended to heaven, that means that the Great Commission is not just about foreign missions. And it's important because when the Great Commission is primarily about foreign missions, it really doesn't touch our lives very much except to support foreign missions. Now, the Great Commission is about foreign missions because as you are going, you are to make disciples wherever you are and wherever the church is, and that is to finally be to all people groups or to all nations. So it it is certainly about foreign missions, but this is Christ's purpose for all of us, all of us. And not just an elite spiritual forces group that we call missionaries. All of us. And we learn in this text about this purpose that we have. This is not anything that we can do alone. Nor is it something we're supposed to do alone. The Great Commission is designed for us actually to do together. And that's one of the powerful things about how the Great Commission is coming about. We are to do it together. Now, most people read Matthew 28 and 19, and they stop right there after the words, all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And therefore, it's about foreign missions. But that's not where the sentence stops. There's not a period there. That verse continues. If you want to take a look at that, And read the whole Great Commission. Now we're going to see how our purpose is to be fulfilled. And the answer is, it's going to be fulfilled together. The Great Commission is for the church. In fact, the Great Commission is the church in its work in the world where followers of Jesus together are being utilized by Jesus in the world as his church. Now, notice the words baptism and teaching. What is baptism? Well, baptism not only symbolizes our our cleansing by the blood of Jesus, whether it is applied to an infant as a, a sign before the event of putting your trust in Jesus, or whether it's applied by water one way or another after you've put your trust in Jesus. Baptism, either way, only is a sign pointing to the salvation that Jesus brings. But everybody, since the apostles, has also said... Because the scriptures teach that baptism is also our initiation into the church. This is the badge of being a part of God's people. Remember, that's why in the early church being baptized was dangerous. Because you you made, in the persecution, you made an official 
kind of an official deal about saying, I'm with these people. And being with those people meant some bad things could happen in your lives. Teaching to obey the commands of Christ. That's the work of the church. That's the ministry of the Word of God along with the sacrament. Sacrament being baptism. Teaching ministry of the church. You know, when you put the Word and the sacrament together, what we have is this. We have what we call the means of grace. The Word, the sacrament, and prayer, the means of grace, simply are those means whereby God grows His followers. You want to be a follower? You want to learn about Jesus? You want to apprentice? You want to become more like Christ? We need the Word. We need prayer. We need the sacraments. We need the church. The word disciple is an important word because it is not the same as another word that we use, and that word is convert this this the purpose here is not just to have people pray a prayer the purpose here is not just to have people open their hearts to the gospel put their trust in jesus and gain salvation the purpose here is to make disciples and that includes new believers and people coming to christ but it also includes all of us who are becoming more as learners and apprentices, as followers, more and more like Jesus Christ. I like the way one scholar puts it. He says the word disciple compresses conversion and the Christian life, salvation and sanctification into one term. In other words, we are to make fully functioning followers of Jesus through the gospel and through our life together in the gospel and through the means of growth, the means of grace that will grow us as believers. And that's why the Great Commission is not just far-flung evangelism because it includes teaching and nurturing. You know, here at Highlands, um, we have what we call our discipleship process. And, it, and it, it depends us being on us being faithful to four words. Worship, teaching, nurture, and reaching. And all the ways that these things, as we are a part of God's church, all the ways that these things are, are brought into our lives and we begin to grow through worship, teaching, nurture, and reaching. And we're able to bring other people into the process of the the word and sacrament and fellowship. But what's so great about this purpose is we get to help each other with the Great Commission. We get to help each other. Christ is head of his body, the church. We are the church. We are the body. Christ is the head. And the scriptures teach that God has given every member of the body gifts and talents to give to the body, to build up the body. The body is you. The body is me. The body is us. The Great Commission is you. The Great Commission is me. The Great Commission is us. This is what we get to do together. I like what John J. Davis says. What this means is that all the roles in the church are a part of the Great Commission, not just the evangelists. Not just the missionaries. As you are in Christ's church, as you are using your gifts, you are a part of the Great Commission. And so, 
Christ gets to define our purpose. And we get to fulfill our purpose together. So Christ's authority to give us purpose instead of us just seeking to choose our own. Secondly, that this is a purpose that's around baptism and teaching. It's around church and how we get to fulfill this with our brothers and sisters together. But thirdly are the words here, with Christ. All this is followed by a promise from Jesus that he will be with us even to the end of the age. Verse 20, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. You wonder where the power to actually do this is? It's in Christ. It's Christ in his church. He is here for us. Um, the old-fashioned way of putting this is it kind of goes like this. Wherever God calls, he provides. Or wherever God calls us, he enables us. Do you remember early in Matthew's gospel, the same gospel, what Jesus was called? He was called Emmanuel. Emmanuel is an Old Testament word. You know, this, this signified that this child born of Mary was indeed the Jewish Messiah. He was Emmanuel, which means God is with us. But what's so amazing is, is after the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, God with us became God in us. God with us or among us also became God in us to love us from within, to empower us from within. And a life in this grace, a life with Jesus in us, with union with Christ, being in Christ is a life of the love of God to you and the love of God to others through you. And let me tell you, I think that's exciting. And we kind of started with all the choices and all the stuff we can do and everything. And it kind of just kind of becomes all about us, doesn't it? If we're not careful. And Jesus is there saying, I love you and here is my love. Here is my forgiveness. I want to secure you. I want to give you everything that you need so that this love I'm giving you, you can give to other people. We must die to ourselves to love, love other people. And that's, that, who can do that? Nobody without God in us. Nobody can do that. And, and that's where the real meaning of life actually is. It is in giving uh, more than it is in taking. So if that's what you want your real purpose to look like in your life, I will tell you this. There will never be a day, never a day in your life where Jesus will not be there to uphold you, to support you, to secure you, to forgive you, and, and empower you to take the next step with him and the next step with his people. And you do not have to be afraid. You know, even if there's persecution, and there are people all over the globe right now that know and love Christ, and they are being persecuted severely just for knowing Christ out loud, just for being identified with Christ. You don't have to be afraid if you have Christ within you and, 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 and he is with you as he promised to be with you as we together fulfill this great commission. And even if there's just emotional barriers for you to overcome with people, and we all have those, 
you don't have to be afraid. And I'll tell you another reason you don't have to be afraid right here. Because we're going to be here with you. Because we're going to encourage you. See what I'm saying? We get to do this together. We're going to love you. When you fall down, we're going to pick you up. You know? We're going, we're going to, to teach you. We're, we're going to, to help you. And we're going to deploy you to make disciples with us. You know, there's something worse than persecution. And it's indifference. And Jesus doesn't give us a choice when it comes to what our purpose shall be. No, it's either his purpose received by us or indifference toward him and his purpose. When you put it that way, it looks a little bit starker, doesn't it? Now, I was the guy sitting there in kind of a special meeting that a campus ministry that I was a part of in college put together and a special speaker came from out of town and man, he was, he was some kind of speaker, let me tell you. And it was emotional and, and I was into this, this speech, came from the scriptures. And it got down to the end and, and, and basically what he said was this. He said, who is willing, who is willing to go anywhere God wants to send that person? And who is willing to do anything God wants for that person to do. And then he surprised us all by saying, stand up if you're willing. And I stood up. And I meant it. And I thought, man, I just, I just signed up for Africa or something. I'm not sure what I just signed up for. <laughs> but you know, it wasn't too terribly long after that, that moment of commitment that I began to see something else in my young Christian life. And that was just the beauty of Jesus' church. And when I began to realize the beauty of the church, I realized that my life would be with others. And that we could share in grace together. We could repent together. We could forgive one another together. We could grow together. We could help one another And we could reach together and demonstrate the reality of the resurrected Christ and his love and grace before a watching world. And that's where my heart is to this day, although it is not equally apparent at all times. Because there are times when those things are lower than other times and and when they are higher than other, other times. And I don't know where you are with Christ's chosen, designated, non-negotiable purpose for your life. I don't know where you are in your love of Christ. I don't know where you are in your love of his church and living out this purpose through his church. But I tell you, we must repent. We must repent of the times when we make it more about ourselves than about Christ and his grace and the gospel ministry. 
We must repent when we make it more about ourselves and we simply want to live by our unlimited freedom to choose rather than His choice, which is good and right and blessing that He's made for us. And we have to repent of our blindness to the greater beauty of the everyday lives of believers in His church. Why does it always have to be bigger and better? Why does it always have to be special? Why can't we see that Christ in His church, it doesn't get any more special than that. Just living life together in His grace. This is the real basis of ministry to a world in need. But in all our choices and in all our busyness, St. Augustine, my Bible study on Friday mornings, we're reading the confessions of St. Augustine. But in all these choices and business, St. Augustine reminds us that what people are really looking for in this desperate search is God and His love that is better than life. And our hearts really are restless until they find their rest in Him. So, it is best even today, that we forsake the futile search, forsake the unlimited choice into preserving of this nuanced version of American freedom, of unlimited freedom to choose. It is better for us to turn away from that as meaning, not that any of the particular things or things we do are are inherently wrong, but turn away from that as meaning and live under the purpose-shaping authority of the Son of God and to make disciples in the context of our brothers and sisters and in the context of these words that you can internalize right now as we conclude the service. Can I say it in the King James Version? And lo, (laughs) and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Let's pray. Lord, save us from us. Save us from our selfishness, our self-centeredness. Save us from the the customization of things that you have not given the right for us to customize. But Lord, would you help us turn to you in your grace. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross for you, he has paid for 100% of our sins, and we can be 100% forgiven through putting our trust in him rather than our own works. And you would like a relationship with Christ. You pray with me, Lord, I see it, and I want to turn from everything I have called Christianity and everything I've called religion and put my trust in you, Jesus, in what you have done for me. When you said it is finished, it was finished. Thank you that even now you have come into my life. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help me to see you as my Lord, to see you as the one that I, I can follow, I can learn from, I can apprentice under to become more like. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for a long, long time. We just needed this great commission. And we pray that you would cause us also to turn from our own way to your way. Lord, would you reestablish that wonderful principle of being a follower in our lives this morning? Would you reestablish the beauty of your grace and your love and your joy within our hearts? And Lord, would you help those, would you help those things to flow one to another in your church and flow to a watching world and a needy world outside of this church and even to the ends of the earth? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.